You're listening to a podcast from GUT. Welcome to the GUT podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and current visiting research fellow at the Frederick National Laboratory for Cancer Research in the USA. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, we're discussing the current Editor's Choice manuscript entitled NKT-Associated Hedgehog and Osteopontin Drive Fibrogenesis in Non-Alcoholic Fatty Liver Disease by Professor Anna Mae Dale's group and collaborators. I'm delighted to welcome three of the authors here today. The first author, Dr. Winkinson, clinician scientist and consultant hepatologist, is based at the UK at the Institute of Hepatology and Barts Health NHS Trust in London. I'm also joined by Dr. Steve Choi and also the senior author, Professor Anna May Deal from Duke University Medical Centre, North Carolina in the USA. Welcome to you all. As an introduction, can you first remind us about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease with a brief description of its etiology, pathogenesis and disease progression? Sure. Uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NAFLD is rapidly becoming the most common cause of chronic liver disease in the United States and much of Western Europe. It's associated with many things that are also very prevalent in those areas of the world, uh, particularly obesity and obesity-related health problems like diabetes and the metabolic syndrome. Um, The etiology of NAFLD is thought to be related to toxicity associated with lipids and lipid handling, although exactly how it occurs is still not well understood. It is recognized that the condition is associated with deregulation of the immune system, leading to an excessive production of inflammatory cytokines, and many groups have focused on those problems. Um, But perhaps less understood is how the innate immune system influences disease progression leading to fibrosis and cirrhosis. And it's really NAFLD-related cirrhosis that is uh, the most clinically significant health problem. And our research focuses on that topic. So this paper focuses on a specific type of inflammatory cell, the natural killer T cell, and it's role in the pathogenesis of NAFLD. Can you just define this cell type for us in terms of their function, behavior, and known role in liver disease? Yes, the natural killer T cells or NKT cells are a unique uh, population of lymphocytes that occurs uh, uh, in the liver and other organs and also in the bloodstream of both uh, humans and mice. Essentially, these straddle both the innate and adaptive immune system, and they are unique because they respond to not peptides that what normally lymphocytes would do, but to respond to glycolipids uh, in the presence of an alternative presenting uh, antigen uh, called CD1D. Uh, And these cells are are unique as well because they are capable of secreting uh, a variety or or repertoire of of cytokines, both the Th1 and what you call a pro-inflammatory cytokine such as interferon gamma, as well as Th2 or what you call pro-fibrogenic cytokines such as IL-4, IL-10, and IL-13. In terms of its role uh, in liver disease, it's been shown in in animal models, for example, uh, that they they accumulate in progressive uh, liver disease of a variety of etiologies. Uh, This uh, similarly occurs in humans, such as in primary biliary cirrhosis, uh, alcoholic hepatitis, uh, Wilson's disease, and progressive chronic viral hepatitis. Uh, 
Um, hence, uh, it's important for us to really understand if NKT cells also have a role in, in fatal liver disease. Well, as the title implies, the manuscript assesses two secreted proteins in the role in disease progression, namely osteopontin and also hedgehog. Can you just briefly describe each of these in turn for us and their role in health and disease? Sure. Uh, so for a number of years, our group has been interested in hedgehog. Hedgehog is a developmental morphogen that is actually barely detected in healthy adult human liver. But what we've discovered is that very many kinds of liver injury, including fatty liver disease, initiate a production of hedgehog ligands by the cells that become injured. And this reactivates this sleeping developmental morphogenic signaling program and incites the outgrowth of cells that are involved in healing wounded livers. And these include myofibroblastic cells, immune cells, and liver progenitor cells. Uh, what we discovered several years ago, uh, actually as a result of Wing's work, is that the NKT cells both produce hedgehog ligands and respond to them by producing different kinds of cytokines, including cytokines that promote liver fibrosis. Steve Choi's work has shown that stellate cells, which are a major source of myofibroblast and therefore fibrosis in most kinds of liver injury, are also regulated by the hedgehog pathway, and hedgehog is necessary for stellate cells to become myofibroblastic and to remain myofibroblastic collagen-producing cells. So we've become very interested in understanding how hedgehog orchestrates this wound healing response and why sometimes this repair response gives rise to excessive fibrosis. Therefore, we were looking for things that hedgehog might regulate that would promote fibrosis and promote inflammation, and osteopontin was a logical thing to, to, to look at because this is a very important protein in modulating progenitor responses and wound healing responses in other tissues. And other groups had already suggested that osteopontin might also be involved in repair of injured livers. We've discovered that hedgehog regulates the production of osteopontin and showed that osteopontin is one of the molecules that um, mediates the effects of hedgehog on both myofibroblasts and on the immune cells. So what was your overall hypothesis for this piece of work and how was it conceived? So the progressive fat liver disease and all the chronic inflammatory disease are, are, are characterized by a large uh, inflammatory infiltration, uh, suggesting that the immune response is critical in driving uh, disease outcome, and NASH is, is, a, is a good example. We have shown previously that NKT cells uh, are important uh, in driving a variety of liver disease, including fat liver disease, and do accumulate. Hence, the hypothesis that NKT cells uh, in both mice and, and humans would uh, be necessary, would, would accumulate, and would possibly drive disease progression through a variety of factors that, that are produced by them, including hedgehog and osteopontin. We know these cells accumulate. We know hedgehog is one of the the factors that promotes their accumulation via the production of other molecules, and we know that the cells themselves produce both hedgehog and hedgehog-responsive proteins like osteopontin. So it was reasonable to think they might be involved in the scarring reaction, but we had no direct proof of that until these studies were performed. Well, moving on to the methods, you initially used a preclinical mouse model fed differing 
diets for your experiments. Can you describe the strains and the diets you used and why this was key to your study? In the first instance, we, we used um, a model of fibrosing NASH. This is the methionine-choline deficient diet, which is well-characterized and well-accepted uh, model for producing uh, NASH uh, in mice. We utilize strains, the black six mouse, uh, the, including mice, uh, the wild-type mice, as well as mice deficient in subsets of NKT cells to really ascertain if NKT cells uh, are indeed important in driving NASH progression. So tell us about the methodologies you employed to assess NKT cell activity. NKT cell activity was not specifically um, assessed in this manuscript. This was based on a previous work that we have done uh, at Duke, uh, where we looked at the responses of NKT cells to glycolipid antigens. As I've mentioned, NKT cells respond specifically to glycolipid as opposed to peptides. And what we did was to show that when NKT cells are activated, they upregulated some of the important markers confirming activation, such as CD69, they express fast ligands, and CD154. These are ligands important that drive uh, and promote cell death. We also showed that these NKT cells are capable of secreting a whole repertoire of, of cytokines, including fibrogenic uh, cytokines such as IL-4 and IL-13, and we also showed uh, subsequently and functionally that they lead to cholangiocyte or epithelial cell death. So in this particular paper, what we did was to utilize the same kind of model where we activated NKT cells uh, in, in, in experiments with a glycolipid antigen uh, called uh, alpha-galactoceramide, a marine sponge-derived glycolipid that is widely used to to activate these NKT cells, and we then uh, assess activation, harvesting uh, the target cells, such as stellate cells, uh, and to assess their, their fibrogenic responses. We also um, harvested condition medium from NKT cells to quantitate the, the amount of cytokines produced, such as osteopontin, and in this paper, we showed that uh, NKT cells secrete osteopontin. You then assessed the expression of several proteins by immunohistochemistry in human liver sections and also assessed plasma osteopontin in patients with non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Can you tell us more about this, please? Yeah, so I think the reason we did this is we are hoping to try to uh, translate some of the discoveries in the cell culture models and in the animal models actually back to the bedside and and use them to be able to either advance the diagnosis or treatment of patients who have NASH. Therefore, it was important to verify that the findings that we had made in the more contrived systems were actually relevant to human biology. We're fortunate that we have a large uh, biorepository of human NASH samples at Duke that we've collected from our patients. So we turned to that repository and obtained uh, liver biopsy sections and serum from some of our human subjects, and then we evaluated them for markers uh, that were discovered through the animal and cell work. So we wanted to see first, uh, were the liver cells actually producing hedgehog ligands? And we confirmed that they were by looking for expression of, for example, sonic hedgehog ligand or Indian hedgehog ligand. And then we demonstrated that 
uh, the, the relevant uh, target cells were producing the, uh, the downstream targets of the hedgehog signaling, including GLEE2, which is a hedgehog-regulated transcription factor. And we think that, that hedgehog signaling promotes the production of osteopontin. So we looked to see if osteopontin protein could be detected and whether or not the level of expression of that protein correlated with other evidence of hedgehog pathway activity. And in both cases, we confirmed that to be the case. The patients who made more ligand and had more GLEE2 or hedgehog responsive cells seemed to be making more osteopontin protein. And then we were able to localize uh, which cells might be receiving the osteopontin signal by looking for expression of the osteopontin receptor, CD44. And of course, we wanted to, to evaluate whether all of this activity had anything to do with the localized accumulation of NKT cells. And there we, we used a, a marker CD57, which is generally used to identify NKT cells in human tissue. And again, we showed very nice correlations between level of hedgehog pathway activity, uh, level of osteopontin production, and the accumulation of NKT cells. Another point uh, is that in addition to actually staining the human liver tissue, we also isolated cells and examined uh, them using very sensitive techniques by flow cytometry to confirm that NKT cells themselves actually produce hedgehog ligand and release osteopontin. Well, let's move on to some of the other results. You found that NKT-deficient mice develop less fibrosis. Can you describe your findings that led you to this conclusion? So why don't we let Steve take that one since he's the fibrosis expert. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, from my perspective, uh, my, my interest in, in this project obviously is uh, developed from my work uh, with, with both Wing and, and, and Anime. Uh, my particular area of interest is in, in fibrosis and, and particularly in hepatic stellate cells. Uh, we've demonstrated that uh, that stellate cells, as most most people know, are the critical cells in the, in the liver that uh, promote the the pro progression of fibrosis that will lead to cirrhosis. We ultimately first determined that stellate cells did indeed uh, produce osteopontin and and as well as uh, its receptor CD uh, CD44, uh, and then that as stellate cell activation. Uh, Proceeds, uh, we found that osteopontin expression uh, and expression of its receptor also uh, increases during the progression of, of disease. And then I think I can certainly leave this, uh, hand this part over to Twing, and where you can talk about the interaction between the stellate cells and the NKT cells. Right. So, um, so the first thing when we fed the beads. Uh, three groups of mice, wild-type mice and the CD1D mice and JLFA18 mice. The latter two are deficient in NKT cells, and we fed them for uh, eight weeks, and we then harvested the livers to analyze, uh, as Steve uh, has suggested, the fibrogenic markers such as alpha-small uh, collagen. Uh, we also analyzed the amount of uh, collagen deposited uh, by immunotechniques uh, uh, called serous red staining and also biochemically quantify the amount of collagen within the liver using the, uh, a biochemical assay called the hydroxyproline uh, assay. And what we found was that uh, JLFA18 and CD1D mice, uh, both mice that have uh, deficient NKT cells, uh, actually develop much less fibrosis than a, a normal or wild-type black six mouse, uh, confirming that NKT cells are indeed responsible for driving fibrosis. In addition, what we've shown this time and also in previous papers was that when NKT cells are activated, 
and and they condition mediated uh, added to to hepatic stellate cells stellate cells uh, being treated with condition medium derived from NKT cell deficient mice actually develop less fibrosis compared with uh, stellate cells that have been treated uh, with condition medium derived from wild type uh, NKT cells. So let's take each protein from the title in turn. So firstly, where does osteopontin fit into this story in your mouse models? I think osteopontin is, is a complicated molecule. It looks like from our work and the work of others that many different kinds of cells can make osteopontin. I think what our paper shows is that the NKT cells make osteopontin, um, and our previous work showed that ductular-type progenitor cells in the liver and hepatic stellate cells also make osteopontin. The work we're talking about today demonstrates that the osteopontin derived from the NKT cells must be very important, as well as other molecules that NKT cells make, because when we simply deplete the NKT cells, we have a significant beneficial effect on the outcome of the NASH. In other words, the mice that are NKT cell depleted, even though osteopontin may be coming from other sources, are not as able to make osteopontin in general, and they're not as able to mount a fibrogenic response to the liver injury. So I think what we've shown is that injury activates the hedgehog pathway, and that this hedgehog pathway activation involves uh, many responses, but one of the important responses is the activation and recruitment of these particular immune cells, NKT cells, into the liver. And once these NKT cells arrive in the liver, they expand and they appear to make fibrogenic factors that are very important for influencing the outcome of the wound healing response to the fatty liver injury. And in the absence of those cells, uh, fatty liver injury is much less likely to result in fibrosis. And what's the influence of hedgehog in this pathway? Well, we think hedgehog is probably one of the important initiators. Based on the work in this study and earlier work, in, including work in humans with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, we've demonstrated a very nice correlation between the severity of liver injury, the level of hedgehog ligand production, the accumulation of hedgehog responsive cells, which include NKT cells, and the ultimate outcome of the injury uh, being fibrosis. So it looks like the hedgehog pathway is a major regulator of fibrosin NASH. So how do these findings from your mouse studies link to your human studies? Well, because this is a novel pathway, we wanted to be very certain that we weren't describing a system that was only applicable in mice and rats. And so we've taken a lot of pains to examine human subjects who have different kinds of liver disease. I briefly alluded to the fact that we've already studied many patients with NASH, including patients that uh, provided samples to the NASH Clinical Research Network, a large multi-center collaborative study that's ongoing with NIH support here in the States. Uh, we did an analysis of samples from 90 patients that were uh, entering the program from many different centers across the United States and blindly evaluated their tissue and confirmed that the pathway activity um, is a a generalized uh, occurrence in NAFLD, and that the level of pathway activity correlates very well with the severity of the fibrosis uh, that develops. 
Uh, we've then extended this work to other kinds of liver disease in collaboration with colleagues from both Europe and the U.S. We've and South America. We've looked in hepatitis B, hepatitis C, uh, primary biliary cirrhosis, alcoholic hepatitis, primary uh, or sorry biliary atresia, and other kinds of congenital uh, cholestatic conditions. And uh, regardless of the type of the liver disease, it looks like the level of pathway activity is very predictive of the level of fibrosis. So where does it go from here? Is this a, a research um, method that's continuing for you and your group? It is. So uh, we continue to try to understand the nuances of this pathway uh, because it looks like it's involved in both good and bad outcomes of the wound healing response. So uh, the ultimate goal is to try to understand uh, if we can manipulate this pathway to achieve good wound healing, in other words, recovery and regeneration of the damaged liver, as opposed to scar formation that leads to cirrhosis. And I think we're learning more about um, how one outcome versus the other might be achieved, but certainly before we w would want to take this sort of uh, approach into patients, uh, we need to understand the regulation of the pathway better. And that's why the discoveries about osteopontin may be particularly important because so far it looks like osteopontin mediates many of the bad outcomes of hedgehog pathway activation, particularly fibrosis. And I'll let Wing speak to this point a little more because I know he's doing active studies in this area uh, right now, but it looks like there are already available approaches that might be used to silence osteopontin activity. Uh, or at least to turn it down so that it would be uh, not overly aggressive, and that that might be an effective strategy to prevent fibrosis in NAFLD, but perhaps other kinds of liver disease, since it looks like uh, these wound healing responses are actually very conserved responses to different kinds of liver injury. I fully agree. We are indeed continuing the, the work particularly on the role of osteopontin in the inflammatory and fibrotic uh, responses. Uh, in humans and in animal models here in London um, and in collaboration with Anna May and, and Steve at Duke. And uh, the current look would suggest that osteopontin, uh, similar to the hedgehog, has a role in the inflammatory response um, in a variety of etiologies. And there are humanized antibodies being developed by uh, various uh, uh, companies uh, to target uh, individuals with end-stage uh, inflammatory disease, including joint disease, lung disease, and potentially, uh, we hope, uh, human liver diseases. And I think another point that merits emphasis is it's conceivable that this discovery of these previously underappreciated signaling pathways may open uh, novel opportunities for biomarker development. One of the things that we struggle with in liver disease is trying to understand which patients are developing silently progressive fibrosis. And the current tests that we have on hand are, are, are not perfectly optimal for doing that yet. So we're still looking for other new molecules that might be released into the bloodstream and therefore could be uh, measured relatively non-invasively in patients over time so that we could get a better appreciation of which patients were developing progressive fibrosis without needing to resort to liver biopsy. And in this regard, um, we know that osteopontin is released into the blood. I believe other groups are beginning to report that 
The levels of osteopontin might correlate with the severity of fibrosis, and the data presented in this paper supports that. Uh, hedgehog ligand is also released into the circulation and might be another way uh, to go at looking whether these signaling pathways have been turned on and uh, the level to which they've been turned on seems to correlate with the outcome of the disease. So that might be clinically helpful as well. Well, that takes us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank Dr. Winkinson, um, Dr. Steve Choi, and Professor Anna Medio for joining me today. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.